So this week, as we continue our look at some of the greatest hits of the Bible, some of the most well-known stories in Scripture, we're going to look at Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And you may be wondering, who is that? Well, if I was to say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, many of you would know exactly who it is that we are talking about. But as we hear in Daniel, in the very beginning of the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, that it's the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, and King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into, this, into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. These he brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the king commanded his palace master, Ashpenaz, to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of the nobility, young men without physical defects and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight, and competent to serve in the king's palace. So basically a new king is taken over, and he says, hey, go get me the best of the best to come and serve in my palace. And they were to be taught the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And so they were basically going to be taught this new culture. They were going to be brought into this new culture. And they were going to be indoctrinated, if you will, into a new culture. And the king assigned them a daily portion of royal uh, rations of food and wine. And they were to be educated for three years so that at the end of that time, they could be stationed in the king's court. And so this is going to be a three-year process. They were going to be educated so that they could be in the king's court, so that they could take on this nobility. And among them we hear is Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the tribe of Judah. So we hear that this is who they are. This is who they have been. And all of a sudden, a new king comes in, and he says, you're going to eat what I tell you to eat. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to fulfill what it is that I'm telling you to do so that you can achieve status. And for many of us, we hear this and we see the direct correlation to what is happening in our world where we go, oh, if I just do this, if I just do that, I will receive status. And so we find ourselves many of times doing whatever we have to do. But as we here, it goes even further. That it says in verse 7 of, chap of chapter 1 that the palace master gave them other names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. So he even changes Daniel's name. Yet, we're here reading the book of Daniel, and as we hear throughout the text, what we see is that Daniel refuses to eat their food and drink, but he still manages to thrive and to grow stronger. And in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has a dream, and, he's, and nobody can tell him what it means. And all of a sudden, God reveals the dream to Daniel, and Daniel comes and he interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar finds himself wondering... What is, the, what is different about this Daniel? And as Daniel interprets his dream and tells him exactly what it means, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 46 through 49, Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face and he worships Daniel. 
and he commanded that a grain offering and incense be offered to him. So he starts worshiping Daniel as if Daniel is the guy. The king is bowing down to Daniel, all because Daniel has stayed true to who he is, and God has given has gifted him as he remains true to who he is called and created to be. And the king said, Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and reveler and revealer of mystics or, or of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the mystery. And so he starts saying, you know, I know we worship all these other gods, but truly yours is the, is the one true God. And then the king promotes Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief uh, prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And so Daniel has, has received his status by staying true to who he is. But what we hear at the, the end of chapter 2 is this, that Daniel makes a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those friends that were with Daniel at the beginning. He says, I want to appoint them over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remains in the king's court. And then throughout chapter 3 of Daniel, at the very beginning, we hear that Nebuchadnezzar has that slip. He's, he go, something happens and he goes, Woo! Your God is great! And then in chapter 3, he automatically forgets because King Nebuchadnezzar makes a golden statue whose height was six cubits and whose width was six cubits. And he sets it up on the, the plain of Jerain and the in the province of Babylon. Not, not unnoticed that that is the province that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in charge of. And the king Nebuchadnezzar sent for the satraps and the prefects and the governors. He sent out for all of his leaders, basically. And he says to them that they, he wants to dedicate this statue. So they all go out and they dedicate and, the, and they assembled for the dedication of the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And when they were standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, the herald proclaimed aloud. So everyone's there. Everyone's listening to this um, dedication of the statue. And this is what is said. You are commanded, O people, nations, language of, of peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So Nebuchadnezzar has already forgotten what God had done. And whenever he said, God, you are, your God is the God, it is indeed God. And he's already saying, but I want people to worship me. I need to be the center of attention. And so what he says is, we're going to blow this trumpet, and when we do, you bow down. You bow down and you worship me. It says, whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of, blaming, of blazing fire. So this is that story, the beginning of the story that we know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That they find themselves ruling over a place where the king who has been wishy-washy with his belief in God, goes, I want people to bow down and worship me. So when I play this instrument, you bow down and you worship me. And this kind of raises the question of what do you bow to? We all find ourselves worshiping something. If we're honest, what do we bow down to? Is it uh, ourself? Is it our, our boyfriend or our girlfriend? Is it popularity? Is it the acceptance of others? Is it status? Is it whatever it is? What do we bow down to? The hope is that it is, is God. 
Because as we continue with the story, what we hear is as soon as the people heard all the uh, heard the sound, then they all bowed down, as King Nebuchadnezzar has commanded. And accordingly, at the same time, the Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the King Nebuchadnezzar, "O King, live forever." So they're really buttering up King Nebuchadnezzar, right? They're really uh, buttering him up. As and this is what we see in Daniel chapter 3, verse 8. O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree in that, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And he's reminding them, O king, you are so great and wonderful. Remember that rule that you made? That who, and whoever doesn't shall be thrown into the furnace of the blazing fire? He says, well, there's like these certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And remember, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods. And they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. See, they have heard this, and what they do is they say, no, we're not going to do that. Because we worship one God. And it's the God that Nebuchadnezzar has already forgotten about from whenever his dream was interpreted. It's God, you're not the God, king. Because Nebuchadnezzar finds himself furious with them. Enraged, he commands that they be brought to him. So they brought those men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them, he just asks them, is it true? that you do not serve my gods and that you do not worship the statue that I've set up? Is it true that you broke the rules? He's kind of giving them the out. He's saying, you know, you can just lie. You can just lie to me and tell me. You don't, you can, I know, I, I get it. You worship the God that helped Daniel to interpret my dreams that I said was the God of all. And I get that. But just lie. Just say that you, say that you're not doing this. But, it says, now if you're ready, when you hear it, he gives them the opportunity. He says, just, just lie and, and just bow down. It'll be fine. It will act like nothing ever happened. He says, because if you're ready, when you hear it, fall down, worship the statue and I've, that I've made, well and good. But if you don't, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace. And who is the God that will deliver you from my hand? And this is where Nebuchadnezzar makes that shift of like, all right, yeah, you may not want to worship this, but whatever God you're worshiping, he can't even save you when I get done with you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. So they're saying, you know what, king? We ain't, we ain't worried about you. We don't want to hear it from you because you're not the one that we worship. We're being attacked, we're being persecuted, and we still refuse to bow down. And I think so often what happens in our lives is we go, God, I'm going to worship you. When things get tough, all of a sudden we go, no, I'm going to fix it myself. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego entrusted God and said, even as I'm being persecuted, even as I'm being attacked, even as things don't sound so good, and it sounds like it might be the end. I'm going to continue to stand for you, O oh God. And they don't allow, as you've heard me say many of times, they don't allow their circumstances to dictate their faith. They allow their faith to be the way in which they live, and their circumstances don't really affect their faith because they have the trust in God. And so what happens 
As I say this, is if our God whom we serve, this is what they say in verse 17, if our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue you have set up. They're saying, even if God, my God does not come and save me from this, I will still not doubt because my faith is in God and who God says God is and I trust in God's will over my very own. This persecution escalates and they still won't bow down. And so, in, but in, and it goes on that in verse 19 because they refused to bow down that Nebuchadnezzar was, becomes even more enraged because basically they go, hey, you can do whatever you want, but we ain't doing it. And he becomes even more enraged and he orders the furnace to be heated up seven times more than customary. And he ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind them up and to throw them in the furnace. And so the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, all their garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of the blazing fire. And because the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted them. So the flames were so hot that the guys that were doing what the king asked them to, kill, it kills them as they go towards the furnace. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fall down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. They're, throw, they're still in the fire. They're still being persecuted. Things are still going on. And then the king, he's astonished. And why is he astonished? Because... He notices something as he looks into the furnace. He, he says to those counselors that are around him, wasn't it three guys that we threw in there? And they answer, oh, king. But they say, true, oh, king. And they said, like, yeah, of course, king, you saw it. We threw three guys in there, duh. And the king replies, but I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire. They're not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a god. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace blazing of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they did. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not even had any power over their bodies and that their hair on their head was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. And I'm even thinking about sitting around like a fire pit that you have to go wash your clothes because if you don't, it smells like the smoke. But how beautiful of a story is this, that even as they're going through the fires, even as they are going through the trials, even as they are going through the temptations, even as they are going through everything that is going on in their life, they say, you know what, we're still going to live out our faith. We're still going to put our trust in God. And what they start to realize is they are thrown in this fire, a fire that killed people that were even close to it because they kept their faith. They started to realize what we call, what we profess every Wednesday night at youth, which is that the best of all is that God is indeed with us and that living out this testimony, and it's not just something they proclaim, but it's something that they live out, that no matter what happens, the best of all is indeed that God is with us. It leads others to believe. It leads Nebuchadnezzar to another 
conviction, as we hear in verse 28, that he says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree. So Nebuchadnezzar has now shifted and says, Any people, nations, or language that utter blasphemy against the God of them shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. And so, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar still isn't getting it, but what he does understand is that this is, this is God. And that even as things start to go, that what we are called to do is live out our faith. It, and he may be trying to force people to live out their faith where, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go, this is just kind of what I'm doing. But what we learn from this story is this proclamation that we make every week. That even as we go through trials, temptations, even as people, the culture says do this, that, and you will receive status, if we are willing to live out who it is that God calls and creates us to be, if we are living, willing to live out that proclamation of, that the best of all is indeed that God is with us, then and only then are we really living our truest life. So let us go forth seeking to live out and proclaim that the best of all is God is with us. Amen and amen.